Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name is Baron. And I'm Elsa. We live together in a 13-foot scamp trailer with our dog camp in the American wilderness. You may hear a static in this podcast episode, and that's coming from the creek that we are parked on. It's gorgeous, but it's very loud. I don't think it should be too bad, though. Just a little bit of background noise. It's not as bad as the snow in the tent on the last one. Oh, yeah. So, great. Welcome back. We're just going to do a general update today. I feel like I haven't done a podcast in forever. Yeah. We have a number of things to run through, so it should be pretty exciting. We moved from Oregon. I feel like most people know that by now. How long has it been that we've been here? Three weeks? Three weeks? Two or three weeks, yeah. Gosh, already. That is so crazy. Seems like the fires in Oregon are now under some control, better control, as far as I last checked. And it sounds like in Colorado, all the fires are like 95% managed. Yeah, that's what our friend was saying. And two of the fires in Colorado were two of the biggest fires that Colorado's ever had. Yeah, that's crazy. Looking at Central Oregon's forests, I feel like they had such properly maintained forests. They would do controlled burns all the time. And not a lot of brush was on the ground. Not a lot of, what do do you call that? Foliar detritus? I don't know. There wasn't a lot of that. But in a lot of our favorite places in Colorado, there are um, lots of dead standing trees and just really dense forests. So... The fires are devastating, but I also think that it is good for our forests to be burnt. It really is not good when people's homes are burnt and when people have to be displaced from where they live, but fire is a good thing for the forests. Yeah, it's difficult. There's so many variables that go into that that it's really hard to know how to manage it because you can't just let it burn because people have houses nearby and yeah it's really tough but ponderosas for example are sort of evolved to sustain during fires like that's why their limbs grow so high on older trees and the lower limbs fall off the bark pops off like little puzzle pieces in the fire Thanks for that factoid, Trev. (laughs) 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 So while we were in Central Oregon during the fires, you went on a quick vacation with some friends. Yep, a babe trip up near Portland. And I was solo at the scamp with no car for a few days. And one of the days, it was really smoky to where I could smell it and feel it in my eyes in the air. And I actually put up the drone to make sure that the forest around me wasn't on fire. (laughs) And what was kind of scary at that moment was I had the car with me in Portland, and you didn't have a car. Right. (laughs) So getting that text from you was a little bit startling. But I had my bike and a number of ways to get up and out of there if need be. And now we know that that is what happens when you've got surrounding forest fires, is air quality in even states away is terrible. And another interesting thing about where we were located is the hill in front of us had burned a few years prior. 
So all I would have to do is get over to that hill, and then there wouldn't be much to burn there, mm. so I could escape it. Or if you sat in the creek, well, except for trees falling on you, that would probably and, be a bad idea, yeah. just generally. Well, if it was just burning around you, yeah, you would want to not be... Middle of a lake. Get, a get lake your, would be okay, yeah. Get in your oru, go into yeah. the middle of the lake until it's over. Just hike the oru <laughs> up the mountain, no worries. <laughs> we had actually moved from Oregon not because of the fires... Exactly. That contributed to the decision. But my brother's getting married in October, and we knew that we were going to want to spend some time in Colorado before that. So we were ready. We'd been in Oregon for almost, well, no, at that point, for a year. For an entire year, just bopping around Oregon, which was awesome. We love Oregon. Oregon really grew on us. It's sort of battling with Colorado for our favorite state. It is wild how I I just thought they were so similar. In my mind, I'm seeing all these big, lush pine trees in Oregon, and I think, oh, that is the same in Colorado. And it is, but it's just very different. Uh, when you're going through I-70, through all those sn- ski resort towns and stuff, It's they're not as tall, right? I don't think so. Especially like the coast of Oregon has such tall lodgepole pines, but the the density of the pine trees is similar. It's just this the look of them. I don't know. No matter where you go, it's so much fun to observe the trees because it's always so different. It's so arid here, and Central Oregon is very dry. But even compared to the high Rockies, I think it would be easy easier to grow food in Central Oregon. You think? It's just a little bit more wet. It's also cool that you can hop on over to the desert in the east, or you can hop on over to the ocean in the west. you got mountains holding snow year-round. Oregon is just so dynamic. It's awesome. It is. It's but just... I was surprised by how similar it is to Colorado. You're saying oh, how opposite? different it is. Yeah. Well, I guess we'd just been gone from Colorado for so long that I thought it was so similar, and then we get back to Colorado now, and I'm just... Wishing for and longing for all the ponderosas, and we're in a really dry area, yeah. but... This area is super duper dry, like there's a ton of cacti around and everything. But I was surprised that all of Oregon isn't a rainforest. Oh, yeah. I thought all of Oregon was just going to be super rainy, but it's comparable to the alpine desert in Colorado, in central Oregon at least. But, yeah, part of our coming back here, too, is to look for land... Now that we have been saving up money and it's actually realistic for us to make moves. It's funny how when I was in Oregon, I was thinking, we got to have land in Colorado. But now that we get to Colorado, I'm just thinking, I want land in Oregon. You do that, though. I know. I know. It's going to be a. Well, it's just always wanting what you don't have, I think. A lifelong thing I think I'll probably have to work on. A lot of people work on that. (laughs) Yeah, I I just think it's interesting that you do that. I just love them both so much, but we're here now kind of scouting a little bit. We've all, we've been scouting for years. That's part of why we traveled to so many different places is to see whether we would like to have land there or somewhere else. But now it can finally be a reality. We've saved for a long time and I, given the state of the world, it just seems like a good idea That being said, though, we're in no rush, really. Like, it may be another year, even more, before we... Given the state of the world, this, this, what we're doing, might be the best 
yeah. out because then we're not locked down to anything. Right. I'm just ready to start learning how to grow food. We had our introduction working two seasons on a farm, and I, I know that that's going to take many seasons to really lock down with all the variables of weather and of just learning, and I really want to do that. And my big, big goal for my life is to build my own home. I don't know what that will look like. Cabin or earth home or yurt, not sure, but I really want to get that happening someday. And on my end, I want to learn to hunt. I know that's kind of controversial, but I think if we're going to eat meat at all, that's the most sustainable way to do it. And if you can select animals ecologically and to try to eliminate them with intelligence for the ecological benefit and benefit of the herd, generally speaking, I think it can be a really cool thing. What what would you hunt? What's out here? Elk? Elk. Deer? Deer. And it's interesting, like, uh, learning to choose an animal to kill that will keep the herd healthy. So, like, a buck that's at the end of his life, for example, that may die in the next winter. or Because they would, if you don't kill them, then they're likely getting killed by a mountain lion or something to that effect. So... That's a lot more gruesome than getting shot because it takes, if it's a well-placed shot, it's pretty instantaneous. And that would be awesome on your own land to be able to study the herd. Can you do that? Would they stay around your area for long enough for you to know? You if... could, yeah, and some places allow you to like put out salt licks, like big salt blocks, and the deer will come and like lick that, but then... So that's considered baiting in some places, and they don't allow that, but some places do. It's all variable. Yeah, so tons of rules around hunting. And I, I'm not going to like, I hate killing animals, even fish and even bugs. But to sustain ourselves, and if we're going to eat meat at all, I think that would be an excellent way to do it. I want to learn how to salvage the hide and tan the hide and make bone broth. I want to eat the liver and the heart and yeah. the tongue. I hear the tongue is really delicious of uh, big game animals. So, I, yeah, if we're going to eat meat, we should be killing our own meat to see right. the process. And feeling that remorse, you know? Because and I think that's a really helpful step in becoming self-sustainable is that rather than farming animals but i also think getting beyond the we'll have remorse for sure it's mm. a serious thing to take a life but i think even beyond that achieving a sense of gratitude with every animal because it was it in ishmael or one of the other books it's like that is the circle of life so that is what these deer are for is to grow and then be food for other animals or for the earth, and then they come back and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where we would, with practice, we would hopefully get to that level where every kill is um, a really majorly grateful thing, getting to use every bit of the animal and everything. I hope that makes sense. What kind of land do you think would be your ideal land? I think there's a number of variables that go into it. One is some kind of water access. Whether it be, if, if it had a stream that we had water rights to, that would be ideal. But I think that's going to be a really hard thing to find. So a well would be awesome. And I don't know how it works if you have a well, 
then can you grow a big garden or are you limited in how how much water you can use legally or I don't know there's a lot of things to learn in that regard but first I think is water second maybe trees another thing is relatively south facing so we can get good solar because we'll probably make all of our own power. We seem to gravitate toward dry land for the scamp. Anything moist is really challenging because it condensates inside the scamp and it's just not, moisture is bad for trailer life or tiny living in general. So something arid, but something with enough either water on the land or water in the air to grow food. It's kind of got to be in between, maybe a little more on the dry side. Yeah. And maybe higher elevation, too. I like the idea of high elevation because high elevation isn't something that a lot of people gravitate to. I think you kind of have to learn to understand the mountains and just be... I mean, it's like kind of a gritty thing to live high up in the mountains. So I like that. There's kind of a barrier to entry. Yeah, it would filter out some people, uh, which is another criteria of mine is people. I would love to be, we were saying the other day, two, two and a half hours tops away from the closest city or town. I would love to just have many, many acres of land that nobody could easily find. And not to say that we want it just for ourselves. The point of our land is we want to have a place where people can come who are doing what we are doing, or a place where people can come host their own retreats, a retreat center to like just be able to have a space for people with a gathering center and places to sleep at night, be it earth homes, yurts, trailers. Yeah, just a, a, we want to offer our space, build up our space to be something that we can offer to people who want to offer their skills and their anything to others. And people that just want to come and learn. Because then we can breed or like build that tribe, you know, and then people can be wherever they are and still have that community and lean on each other. It's hard to say exactly what it will look like because you just never know. But we want it to be a space that we can share with people for sure. That's the goal. Something that we're trying to keep in mind, too, is that the first piece of land that we get doesn't have to be the perfect very last piece of land that we get. For example, we might get something in Colorado to start because we have so many friends and family in Kansas City and Colorado too. And then something in Oregon or Arizona or whatever makes sense after that because we would like to have several different spots that we could provide space for people. I think that as this nomadic lifestyle, I mean, it's so funny because it's our ancestors were all nomadic. So it's like, this is not new to us as humans, but it's new to our culture, the nomadic kind of way of living. And I think it being shown online, uh, like us, putting it on YouTube and everything, is making it more available to people. So I just have a feeling that National Forest Land and BLM Land are going to be a bit more strict in the coming years about how people can camp on it. And the length of time and the length of time you have to leave, more strict policies around it, more strict, like we're seeing already in our favorite places in Colorado, a lot more strict just checking up. It's like the, the very rich towns around this public land 
are wanting the land to be maintained so that it's clean and people aren't coming and camping long term on it and that makes yeah. sense. I but think people get jealous too. For it's sure. like I bought this quarter million dollar, half million dollar house. And you're living for free for two right. weeks on public land in my backyard. Right. <laughs> well, I mean it is what makes, it is. And that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But I think that yeah, we see that we got a ticket actually being up in In the dead of winter. We we were very legal in our. Uh, I think we've told this on a live stream before, yeah. right? We were legal. We were still had a f week and a half there the first time he came and poked us, and then still had four or five days left in our fourteen day stay. He was something else. Yeah, there's there's a long story there. Maybe some other time. So from Colorado, we'll go back to Kansas City. Well, yeah. well, yes, we will do that. We were thinking we'd stay a month in Colorado, but given how much our favorite spots have changed... I'm sorry, I'm really burpy for my cacao. Yeah, if you hear us slurping, we're drinking cacao <laughs> as we do this. As much as Colorado has changed, we're kind of thinking, oh, it would be fun to go spend a couple weeks before my brother's wedding at the end of October in Arkansas. One of our... We used to always camp there and climb there. You've spent a lot more time in Arkansas than I have climbing... Let's go without the scamp and just tent camp for a couple weeks. We have not camped, tent camp together since before we moved into the scamp. Yeah. Just because this is so much like a kind of glamping experience, if you will. Except it's not. And we can take the orus and go. Take the orus. Take the bikes. I just got a, a new, oh, yeah. new to me bike, old bike. So I think I just feel like that sounds like a lot of fun. Because whenever we have something we're staging for in the future, I feel like we don't get into our rhythm because we're just kind of waiting around for that thing to... We kind of fall into a stasis. Yes. It's like, okay, next thing is in three, three weeks. weeks. So then we just kind of are waiting for that. Right. So I, I don't know why we do that, but we well, definitely I mean, do that. Because we have to prepare for it. It's always a big shift in our normal lifestyle to go and do something like that to travel or to have some big event happening we always do that yeah. so i think to do something that's really inspiring and fun totally and i haven't been to arkansas in a long time and i've heard some of the we just heard the other day from a really cool guy we met that a number of the cities are really um sort of burgeoning and turning into sort of colorado feel so it'd be interesting to go explore Oh my gosh, and it's the prettiest time of year to be out there in those lush trees. Arkansas is sort of a hidden gem. Okay, I know we were going to talk about this later, but that cool <laughs> guy, I just can't stop thinking about it. A cool guy who was talking about Arkansas, he brought up the Transamerica Trail. I'd never heard of such a thing. I hadn't either. And it is a trail that you can ride your motorcycle, motorbike, dirt bike, across the entire country. From the east coast up to the west coast of Oregon. Oh my. I've never dirt biked. But I'm going to buy one. And <laughs> we're going to do this. I've, I've only dirt biked a little bit. I'm not super comfortable on a bike. But supposedly the trails are... Or the dirt is pretty well maintained. It's but, like logging roads and yeah. back dirt roads. Except the eastern half of the United States. That's more paved roads. I guess, from yeah. what I understand. So we were thinking we might buy Skip bikes that. and start in Kansas, because that's where our residence is. So it'd be easier to resi or to uh, play them and stuff. Yeah. 
And then... Go all the way up to Oregon. And document our trip as we go. So I guess that would take maybe two to three weeks is what he was saying. He's He said spend 30 days going across the country and you're putting in one to 200 miles a day, depending on where you're at in the country. So... I'd say we budget like three weeks to a month. Yeah, for sure, to get the full experience. I would love to take it slow. The only thing that I'm thinking, trying to figure out how it's going to work, is editing. Will we just have pre-made videos for when we're gone? Or do we just take a month off of YouTube? Love that idea. Yeah, maybe we do that. And then I have to spend how much time... I've just... I gotta kick ass after the trail and then edit a bunch, you know? I feel like we would almost... It would Well... Uh, you can you could do it either way, where we do it like Montana, where it's a documentary, or we could do like a docu series almost, where it's three parts or something. But another, and what I was thinking too for video stuff is that we could live stream each like once a week while we're on the trip, and kind of catch people up. And, That'd be so fun. But then the other bit of complexity there is our little cat dog. We have to bring him. <laughs> we have to. I mean, we could easily leave him with our family, but yeah. he is the face of us. So he has to come. He would, after getting used to it, after getting used to it, he would love it. Uh, the goggles. He would have to have some kind of goggles so that the dirt and yeah. wind doesn't blow on his eyes the whole time. I think, I mean, he is... He loves being on the bike. Six and a half years old now. He's a pretty patient dog with a lot of things. Now that he's a little bit older, I think he would hang and um, love it. I don't know if we would do like a front backpack, a front pack, where he's on your chest. I feel like that would be the I mean, best. does he have to be attached to you? I feel yeah. like he's going to have to sit like behind you on the seat, make a platform for him to sit. Yeah, but he's got to be strapped in somehow. Oh yeah, for sure. So, I don't know. We'll have to Google around and see how other people do it. Or like a side carrier. Can you put him in one of the little packs on the side of your bike i don't know because if you laid your bike down i would want him to be on my chest if i laid my bike down because then i could protect him with my arms and it's not like we're going to be hauling ass you know it's just days on days of him riding on a bike so making sure that he's comfortable enough to yeah. and you too if you're right. gonna we've got a lot to figure out but we've got to make it work if any of you know how we could make it work let us know Elsa is so stoked on this, it's hilarious. I thought I'd have to talk you well, into it. Well, because I'm just dying to do a long-distance hiking trip. After my backpacking trip last summer, I just am so... I, I had never done anything long-distance before. So anything that you're down for long-distance... We were talking about doing a backpacking trip this summer, but then the world kind of collapsed and we didn't. And that was fine. And I think motorcycle travel would be so fun. It just sounds like something I've never done. Hiking is something we do all the time. We walk around all the time, you know? Mm -hmm. So just the the new spiciness of riding a motorcycle would be really cool. And I see, uh, what's her name, Caitlin? Caitlin and... Barnicut. Yes. She's such a badass. What They've done motorcycle trips through Africa. I think that's so cool. After Arkansas... We come back for my brother's COVID version wedding. All of his plans have been messed up, of course. It's going to be just a nice, simple wedding. Get the job done, have the party next year. And then we're going to empty the scamp. As, I mean, as long as everything goes according to plan. But we've learned, all of us, this year that sometimes 
things just don't work out and you can't make plans. You gotta be adaptable. But this is like the most planning that we've done and in we've four been, or five years. We've been talking about it as though it will happen to try to help manifest it happening because we kind of need it to happen. We could, I mean, we've made it work for four years without it happening. So, But we're going to empty the scamp and immediately after the wedding, a couple days later, we're going to go down to Florida to get our axle replaced, work on the scamp with retro renos. They are the ones who put up our awning right at the beginning of COVID. It should be awesome. We're going to polish the scamp, redo all the rivets, probably do our cabinets. Replace the wheels and the tires. Yeah, and the spare tire. Replace the um, all the feet, the stabilizers. Uh, reinforce the frame. We might get a new bed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow, what a dream. So lots of new countertop. Just kind of... And uh, the roof hatch, because my duct tape job is starting to fail. <laughs> but just lots, oh, and the windows. Lots yeah, of things that are just necessary. They're not, a lot of them aren't necessarily fun things, but they, we just need to do them. We were so close to buying a one-year-old scamp used at the beginning of the summer, or, well, spring. It was before anything happened. We were ready to go down to Retro Renos and pick up a, a new-to-us scamp, and that would have been cool. We would have a new scamp right now. They ended up ghosting. Yeah. I'm sure that they sold it for more or something. Our logic, we could get a new scamp, but we would take everything out of the new scamp. We would bring it back to the very raw state that our scamp is. It'd just be newer, so... If we're, we're going to gut it, we would just throw everything away or sell it, and it's just... Yeah, then we're paying for the fridge that we're not going to use, and the stove, and all of the... Uh, like, I don't like the way that these fiberglass trailers, the cabinets are shaped. The drawers are, like, six inches wide, and uh, the space is not built for full-time living, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so we are going to put that same money into making our scamp hopefully be able to last another 30 years. 32 years. Yes. 32 years old. Holy heck. And then driving on the highway and everything and bonking around on rocks will be far less scary than it is right now because our axle is pretty shot at and this point. And we put it to the test in our current spot. One last hoorah. Oh my. Yeah, it was gnarly. One of the bumpier roads we've ever taken a scamp over. Yeah, and then getting, then right before our spot, you have to rock crawl. In our last video, you see it, but it looks about 30% as gnarly as it is in real life. And that's just how that goes. We'll spend time in Florida working on the scamp, and I want to go down to the Everglades and take pictures of alligators. So we'll do that, and then we'll come back to Colorado probably for well, winter. First, first. Ideally, we'll be back home with family for Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. And then buzz out to Colorado. And it just, you know, we're just gonna... We don't have winter plans exactly beyond catching winter storms. We're gonna be like the... What's that tornado? Storm chasers? Storm... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be us. Winter version. Because we love camping in the snow. No, like, almost nobody else does. And... YouTube loves it when we camp in the snow, so it's like, we might as well just take advantage of that and have a blast doing our thing and make videos about it. And now, with our very kind of dedicated goal of land, 
before it was always a goal, but it wasn't so direct of a goal. It wasn't right in front of us like it is right now, I guess. I think just catching these storms and having a blast making videos and really trying to continue growing our savings for land so that we don't have to settle. We can right. get what we want and start building that. And question, I am seeing, I don't know if it's because of what's happening with COVID and stuff, but I'm seeing a lot of van life people switching from, or just nomad people, getting land. And personally, I feel like that is, I don't know, kind of a bummer. I like to watch them because of their nomadic living, and maybe that's because I am doing that myself. But I wonder, for the our, our plan is that we would live in the scamp on our land, that this is going to become our home on our land. Because more than likely we'll get a spot that doesn't have a cabin or anything on it. But I just am wondering if that will be a downer for anyone, if we stop traveling. But that's the thing is we won't. Yeah, I, I think the land, maybe even for a year or so, but we'll be doing so many interesting things and learning so many things there that it'll just be a, the next iteration. So I don't think, it won't be that much different. We'll just have more things to make content about. But people just... True, because you can only make a freaking cup of coffee <laughs> in the scamp but so every many time, times. Every time, and when people just like us doing nothing. But then I get that one comment that's like, Oh my god, we have to see it again. I know. So, yeah, when we get land, we'll be growing our own food and building stuff. And we'll have a ton of content. We'll still be living out of the scamp. And then the plan is to kind of build a shed and a place to do yoga. And, uh, kitchen yeah I would love stuff. to have a studio space where I could make messes and build jewelry yeah away from you yeah it'd be excellent and I'd have my own studio <laughs> we'll build yours first but it, not a studio just like I know. a space with a roof yeah would be great that's all we need a gazebo effectively yeah but then we will be traveling too because we'll get antsy and want to go explore again I feel like I think something dreamy would be to build around the scamp build a deck build a permanent awning that doesn't have to come down when it snows really make the scamp kind of stuck here that we could move whenever but then if I mean this is dreams. just like a scamp docking station yes but dreams would be to then get a van customize that and have that be our multi-week getaway mobile would be just so fun and we could have suron electric bikes how fun and to, to dream and to travel in the van and go like harvest wild food whoa you know Herbs. like go up to oregon yeah oh heck that is another thing i haven't even mentioned that's what I really want space for, is to be able to collect herbs, dry them. We want to can food. We want to can our meat so that it doesn't require a refrigerator. We want a root cellar. So, yeah, being able to go travel around and collect stuff, hunt even. Mm -hmm. And fish, too, because we could go to the coast and fish for, like, salmon and different things like that and then store it all in a deep freeze in the van, and our van would just be like our harvesting rig. That we could go around and then come back to and store everything in a giant deep freeze that runs on solar. And then that would just be really fun. It's cool how ancestral that is to really every day just be focusing on what we're going to eat. 
and what we're going to eat the next day. But because of all of the added luxuries of stuff and having a van and all these things that do require money, we have to balance it with with work. Yeah. But we're lucky that our work can be doing cool stuff. Yeah, kind of by design, I suppose. And yeah. luck, of course. Yeah. Bit of both. Today, this evening, we uploaded <laughs> another video. What's funny? <laughs> Today, this evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, because normally I upload in the mornings, but our internet here was not so swell. So it got to be an evening upload. And we haven't even celebrated upload day. We haven't... Oh, heck, yeah. How do we do that in the evenings? I don't know. It's like does too it late. Go, does it roll into tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow's upload day today. Oh, wow. I like that. Then okay, we have cool. extra upload day time. Tell, tell the world what upload day is. Upload day is the day that we upload. Oh, thank and you. <laughs> we celebrate. We do. Because, I mean, these videos take so long. So I'm editing for how many days? And, and then... And I'm like... What's his name? Catering from, to me. Like Gord. <laughs> yeah. Cleaning up after me. If you've ever feeding seen, me. <laughs> if you've ever seen Silicon Valley, I'm what's his name, Jared? Yeah. And Elsa's Gwart from Silicon Valley. I mean, I look like that too, like laying in bed with my glasses on and, and like your big fifteen chins. And, no. <laughs> <laughs> so on upload day we party. And we if we're close to a town we might go get something to eat, go on a date, or just get our favorite snack foods that aren't good for us. Uh, sometimes we'll go on adventures. I don't know. We just do whatever the heck we want, and it's a blast. So, upload day. upload day. Woot woot. This video is kind of interesting. It was a little bit... It's always weird to upload philosophical type... Uh, I don't know. I feel uncomfortable just I wish talking. We could... I, but I, I I think it's really good. Like, it's powerful. I wish that we could do it more, but it's just uncomfortable to do. Mm -hmm. you know? That's why this podcast has been a good thing, especially for you. Yeah. You have so much to say that yeah. I hear all the time, but it, you do have to kind of put it out in a way that makes sense for your audience. Like, right. if we just got on YouTube and posted an hour-long podcast of us, well... Maybe that would work. But <laughs> we do live streams, and a lot of people really love the live streams. Yeah, I'm surprised by how many videos the live stream, or how many views the live streams get after we've posted them. Like, people watch mm -hmm. them not live, which That's is weird. fascinating. I like to think it's because we are authentic, so the the live streams feel similar to the videos. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm sure you get a better sense of who we are in the live streams, interacting with each other and stuff. Yeah, this one is kind of deep with some thoughts after uh, catching a bunch of mice in the car and we just got into Colorado it's weird it kind of felt like when we first got to Utah yes. you remember that yep just discombobulated yeah somebody left that comment that really yeah you remember when you guys were in Utah it was the same thing wow that's crazy that they made yeah that, that they remember but yeah it felt kind of like that like we had anticipated that everything would just work like perfectly and everything would be I don't know. We were being, I don't know if it's too optimistic, but almost naive. We were forcing a lot of things because I was so sick still. You were sick? Oh, when we got to Utah. Right. Okay, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Is that like, what you're talking no, about? No, I, I was thinking Colorado, and I was like, oh. you weren't sick when we got there. I didn't know what you were saying. <laughs> but yeah, you had still, you were recovering from your bug from Guatemala. And I, I had been driving for God knows how long, like stressed. 
because of no we, gas and everything else. Been stressed getting the car worked on before we left so that we could do that. Oh yeah. And we were kind of moving so that we could have some sun so that I could get better in the sun. And and we just done the renovation, and there were just a lot of things that were like Ugh. yeah, just so many things that didn't feel right because we were trying to make it feel a certain way, I guess. Yeah. And then you learn that if you don't try, things kind of work out really well. It's not that you don't try. It's oh, a, heck, you sure do. It's I like, mean, you totally try. It's not not forcing things and just kind of like being flexible, like bending to the wind rather than trying to run into it, you know? So I'm trying to book these Airbnbs and I'm pissed off because I have a good standing on Airbnb, okay? There was one lady who was awfully rude for no reason. But I don't think people are going that far back <laughs> to see. But I, two Airbnbs didn't confirm. So they just didn't call back. It's really weird. Well, I think one of them was just no longer a listing, even though she was still listed. And then the other one, it was a Saturday and it was a big Denver vacation rental place. I think they probably would have gotten back to me, but I canceled. And then we booked a stay at a hot spring. It's and funny it was how that wonderful. works. Wonderful. That was the most luxurious thing I think maybe that we've ever done together. For sure. And it was cool cuz it wasn't a bougie thing by anyone's standards. Yeah, we're it, in like, a motel with no TV. Most people would not have enjoyed it or wouldn't I guess see it as as bougie as we saw it. It was awesome. Like, <laughs> Home-cooked meals. But that's, like, ideal for us. I know, for Like, sure. I don't like fancy stuff. It feels uncomfortable. Yeah. When, when I know that, oh, my money is going to this. And being able, like, this place was, like, hippie enough to where you didn't have to look fancy to go to the cafeteria. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's my... My style. You could walk around in your robe all day. Yeah, and pretty wonderful. cool that it was pet friendly. And the owl was so neat. Mm -hmm. I have some photos of that on my Instagram. That was so fun. Nothing wrong also with bouginess. I, I know that a lot of people like what they to like. To be pampered. Yes. But I felt like that was quite pampering for For sure. Taste. It felt, oddly enough, like a honeymoon. <laughs> Even though two of the three nights we stayed there, we had friends come stay with us. It was the first time in a long time that I've been away from the scamp and that it felt like a vacation, probably because we were doing it together. And we didn't, by the time it was over, we weren't like done yet, really. Yeah, ready to get back out in the woods. But typically, whenever we're away from the scamp, and the scamp was outside, which is a helpful thing, but typically whenever we spend time away from the scamp, it's we're like itching to get back to it by the time whatever vacation or whatever it is is over. Yeah, it's so funny how most vacations mm, are... More stressful than our life. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> we use the GoPro a lot in this video. Yeah, it shoots such good video that you can't even tell that it came out of a GoPro. What was the first GoPro? It was like my first camera I bought, the HD Hero 4 mm -hmm. or something. That's what we took to Waco Tanks. Yeah, what a little nugget camera that was as my first GoPro. And then we just bought the 8 for the Oru Kayak video. And for some reason in my, in my head, we had the session. Our mm -hmm. friend gave us the session. Colin. And I had it in my head that you are only allowed to use the GoPro in certain outdoor scenarios. So I just didn't, it didn't come to mind when we're filming videos over the last couple months 
or since we've gotten it at least, that we could use it. And Brian Galleon off Grid Backcountry Adventures, that's one of his more prominent cameras that he uses, if not the prominent, is I it? I think it's his main camera, yeah. The audio is just spectacular for an on-camera mic. And he doesn't have an external mic attached to it. But now, with the new ones, you can. With oh, the really? eights. With ours, there, it no, has a mic port. It does? Yeah. Oh, wow. And then the freaking nines just came out, and those look awesome. Incredible. Of course. Right after we, I I, we knew that was going to happen. But it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have two of them either. You know, for yeah, two different mounting situations. It's stuff. cool. The new ones have a front-facing screen, which is crazy that they never did have that before. It's also crazy all the you used to always have to like you'd have to attach a, an LCD screen that yeah. was on our the oldest one we had. Yeah. You'd have to a, put a case around it to make it waterproof. And now you can just plunk it into the water and it's fine. One issue I think it does have is when it gets wet, the mic doesn't yeah. work very well. But that's about it. I wonder how they could fix that. But I'm just blown away like with our session it was the session like the first session i think first gen the teeny tiniest little square and that's still useful for certain things because it's so little like i can wear it in front of my eyes on my hat and not really notice it the quality for some reason maybe it was our sd cards was and there was a setting messed up so everything was very much too overexposed but we stopped using that because it just kept on coming out kind of poopy yeah whenever we'd rely on it you would grab the footage and it, we would have to work on it so hard to get it to look decent. But this camera, the new GoPro. The 8 yeah, that we have. You pull it, you pull the footage on your computer and it's hard to tell it the difference between that and the R. The only reason that it is different or that you can tell it's a GoPro is it still has the fisheye effect when you're shooting certain things. Which I think is cool. And I wonder if you can correct that in post. I bet that you can. I don't know much about that, but I think that that is a thing. Yeah. Like, you can just choose what, if you hit lens correction, then it'll kind of, like, funk and, like, unround it. Yeah. So we could probably do that, but I don't mind the fisheye, like you were saying. It's kind of a yeah, cool Yeah, I like look. the wide-angle view. I would love to get a wide-angle lens for yeah. our, for the R. I had to replace my Canon 60 Mark II with an EOS R, and I'm very pleased with that decision. How long ago did you do that? That was maybe August, July. It was over the summer. What was our first video that we shot with the R? Um, we have our own creek. Oh, right. Okay. No, no, no. That was actually the 60 send-off, I want to say. We had just ordered it at that time. Okay. That was the 60 send-off video. I don't know what was after that. But the R is, like, part of why we got the R is because of the new RF mount lenses. So Canon had the EF mount lens or the, the EF mount for almost, what, 20 years? So if you bought a lens in 2001, I, I'm making these numbers up, but then it would still work on a camera body, like on the newer Canon models. So you can invest in lenses, and then when you upgrade your camera body, you can keep your lenses. So then we could build a kit of lenses starting now since the mount just came out. The RF. Yeah. So we got the, the R is the first camera with the RF mount. So we can start getting RF lenses and we'll be super future proof. And then Baron got um, an EOS RP, which is kind of like the little sibling to the R. And it's the uh, cheapest full frame mirrorless that you can buy right now. Your camera body and lens, what'd you get at 24 to 200? 240. 
that was cheaper than, or almost cheaper than the body of my camera. And then I got my first L lens, which is really exciting. And the L lens is just super crisp and it's weather sealed. Very, very nice. I have to be very careful with it. That's, but you don't have to be as careful as I do with mine because mine's not weather sealed. And that's, we've run into that before with our other Canon lenses that aren't weather sealed is you get one bit of sand in them and... They get crunchy. The autofocus you can hear and that does not work for video. For photo it's not a big deal, but... But yeah, I'm, a lot of people ripped on the RP when it came out and I think the R2 because they didn't shoot in 24 frames per second. And then they fixed that with software, yeah, right? Yeah, a firmware but update. now the the complaint is that you can't shoot 120 frames per second at 1080p. Which would be really cool if you could. It would be very cool. But But we can do that on the phone. The phone shoots mm-hmm. such excellent slow-mo that it's not a big deal. Thanks to our friend Trevor, I have been shooting, ever since I got the, the R, I've been shooting everything at 60 frames per second and then I will put that into a 24 frames per second timeline so it will it just looks cool of course the way you want to do it is shoot in 24 and then edit in 24 because when you shoot in 60 it cuts out frames so it just looks weird it doesn't look natural to the eye and isn't it 24 24 is a very cinematic look 30 fps looks kind of like home video and then 60 is what you can use to slow footage down. Yeah. It's making all of my files huge. Like, I'm filling up my hard drive fast on and my you're external. All eye. Yeah, and all eye is a cool thing. Kind of unnecessary, I think, for what we're doing. But I've found I've been really lucky with it when I need to correct something. Like, something is too dark. Or I just learned you can take screenshots of it and it's like taking, it's like a raw video. So it's just storing a lot more data like picture data in the video so then once you're editing it you can bring the colors up or the shadows up and you just have a lot more data to work with i'm not shooting in c log which is like kind of the it eliminates the color and is a very flat image that then you can bring up and edit and make look beautiful i just don't know what i'm doing and the color science on canons is so good it's amazing it looks so nice it's it's like the iphone it's like the gopro truly the gopro gives you a little bit more neon i'm out on an adventure color and the iphone does a really good job at auto correcting it just looks nice and very saturated and lovely the canon looks real but vibrant but not like it's been edited so then i can throw a lut on top of that if i want and just that's all I have to do. Whereas I shot my first video in C-Log and oh my lanta, it took me forever. Because it's like editing audio, you got to go in clip by clip and edit it. Speaking, it was the kayak video that was yeah. the first R video. Oof. But having that camera has been super fun. And having the 24 to 240 lens has been wonderful because then I can, 240 millimeters zooms in pretty tight. So I can zoom in on am, animals and stuff. And that's kind of been something that I've wanted to do for a really long time is be able to photograph animals and from a distance and I've just been having a blast with it. And what you really need to do now because that lens is going to be multi-purpose we can use that for yeah. videos and it'll be nice to have two cameras for certain things. Certain perspectives. 
and it has so it can go all the way out to 24 millimeters which is pretty wide you know it's maybe too tight to hold it's not too too tight to hold in your hand and shoot yourself but you really got to hold your arm out well i've got a 24 to 105 so really it's just cool that yours can zoom out an extra 144 millimeters yeah but what you should do for animals what we're seeing is the 240 is great but getting a bigger long lens like, that would just be fun for you. The Sigma 150 to 600. I'm buying it soon. I just sent an email to Sigma to see if they are going to have an RF mount lens soon. Because if they do, then I would wait to get that. But being able to just really reach out and zoom in tight on animals, even when we're driving and we see, like, an eagle or a kestrel or a pronghorn or all those type elk, moose, we see so much from the road, it'd be fun to just have my camera sitting there and be able to zoom in super tight and get photos. So soon. Very soon. I mean, right now we don't have a P.O. box anymore, so we kind of have to be thoughtful of, of what we're buying and when. Yeah. So it's a good timing that you can't buy right now. Because I probably would have already ordered it. Yeah. But yeah, freaking P.O. box is dangerous. Is that all? I can't think of much else. Uh, I hope that you guys have liked this sort of update-style rambling podcast. We've had a number of people say that they want us to be just more conversational and less information-filled on the podcast, which is excellent. Easy. Great. Yeah, there's, <laughs> no, there's no forethought. We can just roll with it. So, hope you enjoyed this. And if you have any ideas for future podcasts, either comment on my site, normal2nomad.com slash podcast, or you can message me on Instagram or email me or whatever. Cool? Cool. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more information and links to the things we talked about, check out our show notes at normal2nomad.com slash podcast. If you want to see more of what we're up to, we've documented our travels on YouTube for the past three years and are up to a quarter of a million subscribers. Check it out at youtube.com slash Please give us a five-star review if you like the show so other people can find it. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.